hearts. I've never done whole hearts. Take little tiny pieces. There won't even be a scar. I think I found the problem. Oh, come on, you're the doctor. Everyone, lights out and quiet. Welcome, wayward film watchers, for the very first time into the Media Morgue, your one-stop shop for media news and reviews. I'm Justin Winley, alongside my fellow surgeons of cinema. Daniel Giametti. Zach Palomo. Wes Goodrich. Each episode, we collectively choose a popular movie to review before jumping into our scrubs and guiding you through the aisles of those films which are faded, foreign, or forgotten. Each of these second movies is selected by one of the hosts on rotation, and when we have guests, you too have the option of choosing the film we watch, but all in good time. Now, with the formalities out of the way, we have some news to get into. Got some news. There's a couple exciting uh, developments that have come recently. Danny, I'll I'll pass that to you. What are you uh, go well, to first? just this morning we had an Obi Wan Kenobi series announcement. The full cast, Hayden Christensen is just kind of barely clinging on. Star hey. Wars is still his. Uh, Star Wars his is brain. paying his light bill. <laughs> well, that's what it would have to be, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm, I'm curious about what his role would be. If yeah. flashbacks, probably. Yeah, but like if they announced Maybe just like so- shots of him sitting in rooms, like kind of scowling with, like, <laughs> with, with the Vader mask down. next to him. Yeah. Like- if they announced him so early, I'm like, what? what is it that, you know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, I guess he was already at the conference, so they're not trying to keep him a surprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember people theorized that he would be in episode nine. Because yeah. apparently he was like on set and he was like yeah. working out and stuff. I thought I thought he you know, I, he just I, came to the set to do just, push-ups just, in front of everyone. I still got it. <laughs> I, sad he does it, this. Right? I, I thought for yes, sure. Hayden, you are part of it. Yeah. I thought for Why sure he was going to be the Han Solo bit um, right. from Episode Nine. That would have made more sense. My favorite, uh, my yeah. favorite addition here is of course Benny Safdie. Right. I'm sad to see him get work. He's going to be in this and that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie where he plays like a, a mayor or something. Mm. I'm personally uh, quarantine. A, a big fan of uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., the oh, Ice Cube O'Shea son. He is. He is. I feel like. Oh, I see him. I feel like that cast is just so unnecessarily stacked <laughs> for an Obi Wan Kenobi TV show. Especially when I swore I wouldn't uh, engage with any more Star Wars. Because <laughs> they're literally doing a fucking droid show Who where cares? it's like them rolling yeah, around in the desert and beeping story. and bopping. Right. The well, dialogue Zach, is you... like beep or by a robot for like. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, we were talking about Clone Wars and you. I saw the Bad Batch on there. I saw a droid story. Bad Batch. And. Uh, yeah, I came to you with kind of curiosity awesome. about what's going on with the Bad Batch. I saw them in one of the early episodes of the final season. I guess they're like a Expendables type of group of yeah. yeah, they you know their their methods are different. Their their whole shtick is like them and the regular clones just don't really like mesh. You know, they're just yeah. they do things the quirky way. Um, you know, and it, it was kind of an obvious like okay, we're gonna get a spinoff of these guys. Right. Um, so I I, th- I think they're great. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and again, I think th- what we can take away from Hayden Christensen being in uh, the Obi-Wan series is just give him the the coolness that he had in the Clone Wars. That's all I want. Erase his personality. <laughs> <laughs> what we want. We want to see him being cool. And I think that's what they can do uh, with the with the Obi-Wan series. Yeah. Right. I, I'd like to see him just uh, his day to day life as a Jedi. The stuff we didn't see in a movie, like him leaving the bathroom and he has like a toilet paper on his boot, <laughs> and like Obi Wan is like Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> Anakin. 
There's some toilet paper on your boots. <laughs> we can't go into battle with that. He uses um, his lightsaber as a space heater because his apartment just gets a little bit too right. cold. In the <laughs> well, yeah, the Clone <laughs> War wouldn't pay the bills. Uh, right. He probably went to the VA afterwards and was like, hey, can I get um, whatever? I hate the VA. <laughs> but I also, uh, I guess part of what is exciting about this, the only thing, I mean, Ewan McGregor is carrying that whole prequel trilogy. Yes. I think, you know, colloquially yeah. we agree on that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Also, they killed off Darth Maul too early, so we're more than likely going to see him in this. I mean, it's, it's oh, right. Yes. And I mean, he, he popped up in Rebels. I know they did like a... He showed up in that Han Solo movie that yeah. no one saw. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Also, exactly. yeah. virtual. Which was a complete, it was a complete setup for, for this. You know, I'm going to take one yeah. of those right. for some mm. support. There you Maybe go. Get this low well, back yeah. engaged. We're all about posture on the media. Well, because you know, Darth Maul shows up in like that last arc of the, of the Clone Wars series oh. finale. He's also, and he's, he's throughout the series though with his brother Savage Opress. Yeah. Right, yeah. No, wow. but his the I, mean, <laughs> I that, love Star Wars names. <laughs> Just complicated. Yeah, no, I mean his uh his his finale in that is so good. Like that it, it has a a scene that's equivalent to Darth Vader in Rogue One, just like slice and dicing everybody. Wow. Mm-hmm. So like watch it for that alone. It's amazing. Will do, yeah. But um yeah, yeah I mean we does it do, do we have a release date yet for uh I don't Obi think Kenobi? So. I oh. think I think they're trying to do what Marvel is doing and they're trying to have like uh Star Wars output about like every you know every month moving forward. They I announced like twelve shows. I'm also I am kind of excited about the Ahsoka series because I, I think too. Rosario Dawson is really. She good was in that a great role. choice. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'll watch that. I'll watch Obi, and the rest can um, be burned. The I Book of I'm Boba Fett. Oh my god! Get eaten alive! <laughs> That's happening. That's happening. Does it start with him in the in the it would have to Start with him in the pit. And he's like he, yeah. he's like crawling out, crawling out of his teeth. You know what the issue is? The last thing I'll say about this is I think Star Wars, and I love Star Wars. Star Wars suffers from this thing that has come with the internet, like the redditing of these universes. Like right. I don't need to know how Boba Fett got out of the pit, right. but I know we're gonna see it. Yeah, I don't need to yeah. know how Han Solo got the gun. Dude, saw it. the solo movie is all that. It's just how many hats can we put on everything? Right, he, yeah. he shows up at the uh, fucking like naming center or whatever it is. <laughs> and like, oh, no last name, you're alone. <laughs> solo. <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's everything. And then like him meeting Chewbacca. Nice. Yeah. That's kind of long. I guess I'll call you Chewy. You're going to be my bear friend <laughs> for the next few years. <laughs> Get it, everyone? Yeah, I don't need that. Or him getting the gun. It's stuff that like... Like Han, the only real iconic thing about Han Solo is the Millennium Falcon, right? That's yeah, what right. you want. Like yeah. I don't care about how he got any of the other stuff. And his digital yeah. dodging. And of, uh, I, was, I was gonna say, <laughs> like the, the less said about the high shot first <laughs> yes. thing, the better. But the first cut of that scene is so fucking badass. <laughs> he literally, he's like, hey, "Fuck you, Greedo!" Shoots Greedo in the head, and Greedo's fucking head like explodes. <laughs> They they removed so much that that made that seem like the best part of a new hope in my opinion. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's the watering down of of the character. But um, yeah, that well that is happening. Um, we also had the Suicide Squad. The Suicide the trailer, Squad. The trailer for the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. uh, being directed by James Gunn. It's a soft reboot. Uh, they've kept mm-hmm. Harley Quinn, Viola yeah. Davis, and uh, Joel Kinnaman. It's got and, all the stuff Boomerang. you like about James Gunn. Oh, yes. Also, oh, Jai yeah. Courtney yeah. Still, is, uh, still has a Thank job. God they kept Jai Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we got to keep Captain Boomerang in here. He's integral. Yeah, yeah now, I'll, I'll be honest. And, like, you know, don't fret, people who are listening. We'll get to the Snyder Cut. Eventually, uh, but uh, is anyone fretting? Is anyone like? I mean, man. some people might be tuning in, being like, "Hey, what? 
I want to hear Wes's thoughts about the Snyder Cut, which oh boy. are many. But um, <laughs> as far as the DCEU is concerned in whatever state it's at right now, I think this looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, Starro like is really thing. what Starro <laughs> Starro oh. the Conqueror we've got Pete Davidson is, is his character called the STD or did I read that wrong I'm sorry his his character, no. is, did I read that wrong <laughs> <laughs> his character is actually <laughs> called why did Ari that, Ryan I'm sorry <laughs> that could be a <laughs> meme I could be completely wrong but I, I read that somewhere the STD um, well, well it's, it's got all the uh, you know James Gunn stuff. Jesus. It's got wrestlers as main characters and True. his brother as a CGI guy walking around. CGI, yeah. Oh yeah, the little yeah the little Sh- Sean Gunn's always Rooker. a CGI. Yeah. Michael Rooker. Not, yeah, that's him. Right. It's always Don good to see him come back. The, the the strange thing about that. So I feel like the only corner of the DC universe that the DC is realizing is working consistently is Harley Quinn. So they're yeah. just building films uh, yeah. around her. She's which is just, fine. Uh, Margot Robbie's doing what she's been doing since 2016. It is what it is. She's, but it, she's like good at it. So like Birds of Prey yeah. is a controversial movie or is like... Is it? I feel like a lot of people don't like Birds of Prey. I, I found Birds it annoying. Right. That's that's what, I, think I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a huge fan of it. No. Yeah, wow. I found it annoying. Wow, I'm alone here. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... She, I but that Harley Quinn animated show... Oh, that, no, that is fantastic. actually really good. And that I'm wondering what, for well me, written. is the difference because I know that the animated, the live-action movie is like definitely trying to capture that. Well, she, she's, tr- she's just kind of like a walking meme, I think, in that movie, whereas she has... Actual like depth and like cleverness to her in the show. Is it, I mean, is that too broad? I feel like I'm not saying enough yeah. specific stuff, but no, like yeah. her her motivation for a lot of the movie is like getting a bacon egg and cheese, which is fine, and that like pro- <laughs> propels her across, which like, can be your motivation. Twenty minutes of story. <laughs> That's my motivation most mornings. Um, and no. in the show, it's it's like I'm in love with poison ivy. I want yeah, to actually be I'm established to in the city, the Joker, which is right. a thing in the in the in the. But it, obviously, well, it's, it's hard to compare. TV and film, anyway, because yeah. one is yeah. more stretched out, yeah. of course. Yeah. But I, I and think DC's like, always excelled at their animated shows, and yeah, their live action movies fact. have always kind of. They and Marvel have been, I think, inverse in that sense. Yeah. yeah. Even though I think yeah. I think Shazam's not bad either in terms of the DC. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, but back to Suicide Squad. Yes. I I think one of the more interesting parts of that trailer for me was the inclusion of Idris Elba as uh, Bloodsport. Right. Who is mm-hmm. yeah. not Deadshot, dead even though he's clearly written in the original script to be Deadshot because he has a daughter right. and yeah. he is good at shooting things and he's wisecracking. Like it was clearly he's meant to be. They want to leave the door open for Will Smith they to do. eventually come. And Will back Smith is going to keep that door closed. He is. This <laughs> foot. I'm, I'm surprised he's the only actor that didn't want to come back. I would never want to be in another Suicide Squad movie. I think it's like, well, first of all, he's very. Uh, expensive. He's very wealthy. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like... I guess Jai Courtney doesn't have that much going on. Wow! And in a way that, like... With, and we were, talk, we were texting about this. Like, Idris has not been able to catch a franchise as long as yeah. he's been working in this industry and as good as he looks and as great of an actor as he is, he just can't latch on. And we mm-hmm. don't really know what it is. I mean, he did The Wire... Because they don't know what to do with dark-skinned black actors. Well, yeah, that that is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was really only a bit player in those Thor, Thor movies, movies w- yeah. which is which is weird because For, he's supposed to be a huge part of that lore. Heimdall is a yeah. massive, which yeah. is why people were getting so upset when he was cast. Like, Heimdall I remember the, there was a story Viking where uh, you know, I mean, 
there was some story where he, uh, you know, was in an interview and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm actually playing characters sometimes. And other times I'm just like in garb in front of a green screen on like a, a Marvel <laughs> set. And, and it was like kind of controversial, but it shouldn't have been because no. it was really funny and He's it was also true. Telling his truth. Yeah. I mean, they, they, yeah, they stuck him in golden spandex for two movies yeah. and then they killed him. Says a couple things stoically. He's good in Ragnarok. He's good in Ragnarok. There's clear some care put into him yeah. in Ragnarok. Well, because he's on the run in that, right? Yeah. And so he yeah. actually has stuff to do. He's, he's getting that. He, he has like some, co- he has cool moments in all the movies. Like in, even in the dark world where he's like taking down that ship and then he realizes. Like, didn't he get frozen? I'm so sorry. I don't remember frozen? anything about that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what did you say, Zach? Was it, he gets frozen in the first movie, right? Like he, he tries he to take like he, one swing and he gets like he knocked yeah. out for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Does. does Loki freeze him? Is that what happens? Yes, with okay. the with the which is actually kind of a cool moment because like he knows what's going on and then then he gets <laughs> right. Back. I yeah. believe you. Do, do you think at some point uh, Marvel's going to answer for their crime of making the only black person in that movie a doorman, or no? Do you think they're just going to be like, it's fine? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> He's a cosmic doorman. It's fine. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's kind of the thing that that's the trap that can you can fall into when you want to um, uh, race bend a character. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that like if you, you know, if you change someone who was, let's say, white into a black character, then like if that character is not actually that key, <laughs> then it's like, oh, you just found a new way to disrespect me, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, well, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, the, the most exciting part of the Suicide Squad trailer was uh, King Shark for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Ripping the guy in half. Star- well, Starro, well, Star- you're right. Starro and then and then King Shark. I didn't even realize that it was uh, Stallone until after. No, because he's doing the Vin Diesel's Groot thing where he shows up for half an hour and like moans into a microphone and they, <laughs> they give him a big I'm fat paycheck. It's me, Shark. Where's the ocean? <laughs> yes, that is your hand. Um, yeah, so that's coming out in August. I'm sure we'll circle back around to talking about it in full uh the final bit of news you want to talk about them let's right? talk yeah let's talk about oh this boy. fucking trailer for them oh Have you seen i, I this, gotta Zach? preface this the what them no uh it's like did, a I, did I miss the homework assignment no oh, no 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 but have but, you uh, seen us zach yes That's all, you need all right so it's the same thing <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> These these people are basically just uh, what's her name Alina Waithe? Waithe is that Waithe. correct Yeah so it steals the aesthetic from like Jordan Peele's uh, you know us like the cursive title and the even the posters are like really similar yeah. and then the story is like lifted directly from Get Out but it's prolonged over like eight hours people. because it's like a long series Yeah basically Zach to to fill you and the audience in um, this is a new Amazon original uh, series that I got to see the first episode of because I got this free oh, pass really? to South Did you like it? Okay. That's where it was. Not very much. Uh, right. Is there anything redeeming? I mean, I mean, it looks nice and it's got good actors. The, the main thing yeah. for right. me is like, who is this for? Because this seems like it would be like torture to, to watch. It, it's like yeah, this basically black this, family this, being tortured this by... This black it. family moves into a white neighborhood yeah. and the white people don't want them there. And there, but, there's like a minstrel imagery. But here's the thing about... I mean, we've talked about this before, but I think in the post get out world studios don't realize why jordan peele works which is like using horror as a vehicle to uh expose like different issues in like with like class and racism but it's Mm. not just the white devil like it's not it's never just as simple as white people are evil it's always like white people are doing this or class does this you know what i mean but like 
with yeah, shows. Get Out can definitely be like a class seller exactly. for sure. And, but but I think what studios, the lessons studios have taken from this is like, oh, white people are evil and we can make yeah. those horror we, movies. We like things right. that are this extreme because it gets people talking. And, and it just, it, it just it. feels, I mean, I haven't seen the show. I don't want to. No, I would like for it to be more than what it seems to be, but. Yeah, I just, know. I just, I. A, a neighborhood being a sundown town as a horror idea with nothing attached to it. It's just white people are evil. doesn't feel hor- horrific. And we'll get into yeah, this in this, in this conversation. And horror to me still has stuff that's supposed to be like kind of fun mm-hmm. and not just torturous. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm watching this trailer. Like, is this like every episode is like them being tortured by this white neighbor? Like this just seems awful. It's because it's, I mean, we'll get into this later, but I, I, I think it's part of the elevated horror trend that I think yeah, actually, actually. Uh, subverts what horror the purpose of horror in American culture. Right? We're, we're seeing yeah. the downsides yeah, yeah, yeah. of that. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, if, if, if I thought there was a remake of that crazy bug movie. From the 50s. <laughs> There's this movie from the fifties called them where these uh, fucking ants are like creepy cockroaches, whatever it is. They like attack a bridge. I thought it was a remake of that. I was like, why are people fucking talking about this? <laughs> Just a big creature feature remake. Well, now that you've but mentioned that, maybe yeah. it needs to get done. Um, but if y'all don't have any further thoughts about them, we can actually get into our popular pick. Let's get into Saint Maud. Uh, Saint Maud. Saint Maud. The A24 Maud, that could. Directed by Rose Glass and released in America in 2021. It came mm-hmm. out overseas in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, major spoiler alert, obviously, for both of these movies that we're going to discuss today. Who um, saw that happy ending coming? Whoa. Jesus comes in and congratulates her on being an epic Fortnite gamer. I did not see <laughs> that coming. Okay, no, but really, we'll ruin the movie for you, so come back if you haven't watched it yet. Or yeah. just skip ahead. We'll I mean, give, we can give, we can give initial thoughts general thoughts non-spoilery if you yeah. just want like our our like letter our mini letterbox review of it oh, yeah. those are coming yeah yeah but um should i give a synopsis yeah let's do the oh, log oh. line let's do let's, yeah, let's the synopsis. Log line. <laughs> so saint moth is about a young woman with an enig- enigmatic yet clearly traumatic past who becomes an at-home nurse for a spooky retired bisexual which is my favorite character archetype. <laughs> and once she becomes convinced that her patient's part of god's greater plan for her you know wacky hijinks ensue Okay. There we are. So, uh, yeah, Zach, what'd you think of the movie, man? Yeah. So, uh, my relationship with horror is complicated because I'm very (laughs) fascinated with horror, but I'm also terrified of it. Um, so I, I watched this movie with a pillow on my chest, um, (laughs) just like in preparation to, to, to run away and hide. Uh, I loved it though. I I mean, I thought it was amazing. It's, it's not even an hour and a half long. Um, it's, so it's just like a, really a tight, tight, cohesive story. Yeah, it's just like an effective, sh- like short uh, story, and it really like subverted all of my expectations um, in terms of who Maud is. You know, I just like assumed from watching the trailer, I was like, okay, she's you know this type of person. She grew up grew this, up this way. way, and I mean the imagery is is beautiful. I mean, like just like, like the yeah. shadow, you know, the use of shadows, mm. uh, and noticing that, that scene like, of her walking is, on the beach. And like the the lights yeah. from the town reflecting over mm-hmm. the over the water. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like that Coney Island, like her passing by. Oh, that when Coney she's Island levitating time, like, and the fireworks are going off. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I loved it, and I just you know I went into a lot of research uh, after I watched it, as you guys know. So I learning about how this film was made and what Rose Glass's like thoughts are on it. She goes into really specifically what the movie's about and what's literal and what's not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we can get into that later. But yeah, I, I mean, I really liked it. I thought it was yeah. really great and haunting. Yeah. yeah. Dan? Uh, 
Well, or are we just giving kind of our general what we? Yeah, thought and then I'm gonna what I'm gonna do specifics. after is like go through the plot summary basically. Okay, and great. We can stop and talk about. Yeah, I, I think like Zach said, it's really cohesive, um, just very tight, and uh, it doesn't really waste a moment. I mean, we're getting in her head. We're we're seeing the kind of uh, anxious yet. Uh, you know, she's convinced of her higher purpose and, and convinced that these uh, feelings she's having are natural and that she is a saint. And, and it communicates that really well. You're always thinking, like, is this really happening or is right. it not? And at the end, it kind of answers those questions. Uh, yeah. So I, I think for the movie that it is, it's pretty much as good as it could have been. I don't have uh, many criticisms of it because mm-hmm. the story that Rose Glass is telling is pretty succinctly done here yes i don't think there's much room for improvement agreed wes um so i i i wasn't as hot on it as as you guys Mm. um i think it's visually very well done I'm going to be the hater on this podcast. Yeah, it's guys. All good. You just, just got it. It is, it is who I am. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I, I think visually it's really cool. I think, I think there's a lot of, uh, you guys mentioned it. There's a lot of great stuff done visually. I think, um, especially in terms of how it's, you know, I have, I have a theory that I'm sure it didn't come from me, come from a bunch of other smarter people, but like that all filmmaking is sampling the, the way, way rapping, rapping. Right. You're, you're, you're just, just taking, taking older it. stuff and laying it over and re- reappropriating it. Right. Um, and the way that this kind of reappropriates and samples like stuff like, the exorcism and the omen visually mm-hmm. I think is really dope. Um, I think I was also, they, they definitely carry over similar themes, yeah. but, but I think all things considered, this one's pretty original. I was no, also I, thinking of, and I'm just saying this cause I know you love this movie. Uh, it also reminded me a lot of the passion of Joan of Arc. It did. It yeah. did. It did. It did. Uh, which I think all religious horror is indebted to passion of Joan of Arc yeah. in some kind of way. Um, because that is a pro horror movie. I think. At least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think, uh, where I falter with it, where I falter with a lot of elevated horror movies, which is, I'm sure, a term we're going to be using a lot today, uh, is I think the story actually doesn't explode the ideas that it's trying to wrestle with, right? Like, it's, it's wrestling with, like, religious fanaticism in a way that's interesting, but then it doesn't ever go any deeper than, that's pretty kooky, huh? You know what I mean? At <laughs> least in my opinion. Um, and I wish... I wish for as good as the performances are and as good as the visual language of the thing is, the story had delivered, um, at least for me, mm. in a way I don't think it did. I, I want to counter that one point because I do think it shows that, you know, it goes deeper than her just being like a wacky, crazy lady. Like mm. she is doing damage to herself and, and others. Right, right, right. Yeah, it is It is very much about her mental illness. And, and, and before mm. we get into the plot summary, I'll just say that like, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I have a bad, a bad habit when I'm watching movies of like not sitting and watching it all the way through. So like I pause and walk away. That's how I am. Now. I, I used to not be that way at all. Yeah. But and like it's, with it's, Black it's, Narcissus, for example, I'd yeah, split it up the into two like, sittings. Yeah, that's part of what it is. You get, you get antsy. But, um, but I, I think it's paced pretty well. Um, despite my distractions. Yeah. I think it has really strong performances. Um, and you know what, Zach, to your point, I actually, I don't know if I would have, minded it being even a little longer um you know i mean not like necessarily going on two hours but i think to Mm -hmm. wes's point maybe there's some more and you know it's an independent movie small budget i I think what may have hurt uh the film as a whole is probably its marketing because i I see i see what you're saying about it maybe it could have been a bit longer they could put in more horror stuff but i'm watching it and it's like 
I think the genre classification is really just to sell the film. That's, because it, that's it seems definitely more preoccupied is. with being because a character it's, study. It's, it's, it was marketed as as this movie about a religious fanatic. Yeah. Which, yes. Mm-hmm. But I expected something totally different really, when I sat yeah, down and watched it. It's really more yeah. about just this woman. Like, she does Trauma. like this. Uh, yeah, yeah. This lonely woman who has no nobody to help her what i would actually say is it's 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 marketed as an a24 horror movie which right. i think is a specific brand that we can talk about because yeah. i think a24 has carved out a brand of horror that is when you when you see hereditary when you see midsommar when you see the witch you're like oh that's a24 horror. and now everyone's trying in the you know independent mm-hmm. you know field is trying to mm-hmm. do that yeah. in in the chance of getting picked up just by like a24 just, just like, like blumhouse has, has a horror aesthetic yeah. Yeah. you know what i mean so i'm sorry just to go no on. no that but that that's actually a really good point um and I think we can jump into the plot summary now. So, uh, yes, Dan, as Danny's um, early synopsis said, uh, this is about a nurse. Um, her name, her actual name is Katie. Do we ever learn why she goes by Maud? Well, <laughs> we don't even know specifically what happened when she was uh, working at that hospital. Right. We, we just see like a bed full of, well, a bed with like a body, I, right? And a bunch of roaches. You know, guiding her. I, yeah, I, I read up on a uh, Rose Glass. Literally goes into like all of that. She yeah. goes into like the name. She goes into that's so that uh, we're going into full the open the floodgates. Yeah, brother. fuck it. I'm, I'm just I'm nervous about it. So <laughs> I'm still listening, it. and you want to watch the movie that's on you. So yeah, so you see, like she's giving CPR, and then she breaks through the chest cavity, right? Like mm-hmm. so that's based on a real story. Uh, Rose Glass, like I think one of her friends or someone. I I, I might be butchering the story, but she knows someone. Uh, who is a nurse who that happened to. She was trying to give CPR and they had just had a surgery, had on, their surgery on their chest. So she uh, broke so through. She broke through. Um, and um, so she was. And she so asked her if she, she could actually her. use that story. So that's pretty much what happened. Um, wow. Yeah. And in, in terms of her choosing the name Maud, so Rose Glass, I mean, this is more of a, you know, a filmmaking. This isn't like exactly what Kate's motivation was. Um, but you know, it was, it's a plain name, but, um, and I, I forgot the rest of it. it it's a plain <laughs> name. It, it sounds like something that could yeah, be. Yeah, no, well, well, it's, yeah. So, I mean, this, this girl, Katie slash Maude, we'll call her both interchangeably. She comes into town. She's a, she's a nurse for a private, um, uh, nursing company. And she has this checkered past with her uh, patients mm-hmm. before. And, um, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me immediately was like, how personable the movie is. Like, like I, I didn't, didn't expect, expect monologue at all. And so Definitely. immediately it was yeah. like definitely trying to endear you to her, I think, a bit, um, through her prayers uh, and, and her conversation. And it, definitely, it gets you to, to care about her in a way I think is very effective because mm-hmm. later on when she's like trying to make friends at the bar, mm-hmm. that scene to me is like, more anxiety inducing yes. than like stuff that the Safties have committed to film. Oh my because, gosh. Because like, like seeing her like sit across from that group of friends and like laugh at like weird times and, and like try and like mm-hmm. assimilate into their friend group. It's like, yeah. it's like someone who has like social anxiety. Yeah. You know, that That's like, oh shit. Like they're going to think so you're real. weird. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Don't do that when you laugh. That's yeah. not when you act like that. And then her going to the bathroom and, and calling someone she hasn't seen in like a long time and, and yeah. trying to, you know, yeah. get drinks and stuff. That, that, uh, gave me so much, it gave me social anxiety, yeah. Yeah. which is different from like yeah. a bank robbery in a movie. No, for sure. Anxiety. I, uh, you know what? Let me just, let me read the paragraphs. I'm on Wikipedia now. Shout out Wikipedia. Got me through right, high school you. and also college. Um, uh, 
So yes, a nurse named Katie fails to save the life of a patient in her care despite attempting CPR. Time passes and Katie, now referring to herself as Maud, has become a devout Roman Catholic and is working as a private palliative care nurse in an unnamed English seaside town. She's assigned to care for Amanda, a dancer and choreographer from the U.S. who's terminally ill with stage 4 lymphoma and confined to a wheelchair. Amanda is embittered by her fate and confesses to Maud that she fears the oblivion of death at which point Maud comes to believe that God has tasked her with saving the atheist Amanda's soul. Maud reveals to Amanda that she sometimes feels God's presence tangibly and appears to overcome, to be overcome with ecstasy as they pray together, something that Amanda seems to experience as well. So yeah, let's pause and talk about the orgasms because... Oh yeah. yeah. Um, wow. That's why I came on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the Godgasms. Um, I, the, the first one happens as she's climbing up the stairs. She's climbing up the wall, she's like... Yeah. Oh, actually, it might, it might even be before. I'm thinking of like when she first kind of lays down. Actually, this moment that the poster is uh, that the shot mm-hmm. is taken from. Where she I lays. thought she was like clawing her eyes out in that scene. Well, it's crazy because they keep doing this thing. Like, and it's funny we mentioned mm-hmm. the Safdie brothers because I remember you put me on to how they uh, um, they use CGI to to right. shrink right. Adam Sandler's <laughs> eyes <laughs> to make him look possessed. Yeah, with, uh, like a creepy Josh Safdie's. Reason. Yeah, um, and. Uh, Similarly, I think they're messing with Maud's eyes in this oh, because yeah. there are times when she pulls at the sides and they like and it balloons. Yeah, balls. Like so, someone's face was uh, like going crazy with CGI during the uh, the bar scene that I was talking oh, really? about a couple seconds ago. Yeah, I, mm. I know this like weird stuff like that. Uh, yeah, a, I a lot of A twenty four horror. I don't know if they pick up these movies and then they do stuff like more post production stuff before I they release it. I'm wondering because Midsommar has shit like that. Midsommar has stuff like that, climax stuff like that, which I know was an outsourced thing they bought. So mm. I don't know. I wonder if it's just an aesthetic choice that they they gravitate towards. Mm, maybe. Yeah, but this I is I didn't really catch it as like like it took me reading an article afterward to realize, oh, it's supposed to be like an orgasmic experience, like this ecstasy that she's experiencing. And then it, that's also supposed to, I guess, cast doubt on whether or not this is actually faith mm-hmm. or if it's something more schizophrenic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's... It definitely schizophrenic undertones. Yeah. So just like how she acts. Right. But then it's also strange that, like, I don't know, Zach, if, if uh, Rose Glass talked about this, but when she is praying with Amanda on the couch, mm-hmm. they do both have that, like... Mm-hmm. moment of, that of was ecstasy another thing so that like is that real or is that like Maud's imagination you know is something to think because it's like is she yeah. making fun of her is she, yeah. is she you know taking yeah I mean she has well because there's also that moment that uh, where she goes to like touch her hand and it like cuts I think just before they actually make contact yeah. mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I don't I think I'm pretty sure like right before Amanda goes like demonic I think she like confesses that that was that was fake, right? Like that was oh, that was her just that's doing that. The best right? scene yes, in the movie. yes. That's a, it's a weird scene. scene By the end, and we'll, yeah, we'll get there. Um, so, all right, well, yeah. So, uh, Maud is having these experiences. Um, Maud becomes suspicious of Amanda's companion Carol, who visits the house regularly and whom Amanda pays for sex. While in town one evening, a former work colleague called Joy recognizes Maud and gives her phone number. Uh, I love in case she needs company. Wiki. That's so great. Um, Maud later takes Carol aside and implores her to stop visiting as she believes Amanda's soul is in jeopardy. Carol feigns agreement but later comes to Amanda's birthday party. 
and in front of Maud, Amanda informs the party goers that Maud tried to drive Carol away and mocks her for trying yeah. to save her soul. Really that's, intense scene. That's, that's the another scene that really is yeah. someone with social anxiety. Like, yeah. The idea of yeah. all just the eyes room full of people. Like, yeah. yeah judging and laughing at Not him. feeling it. Yeah. It's not. It's not my thing. Yeah. No. She walks over yep. and slaps that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I, that was a meaty slap too. You could fucking hear that. Yeah. 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 That goes well, a bit. What, what's 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 interesting about this segment is, uh, Justin. I know you did too. I don't know about. Zach or Dan, but I grew up in a very uh, Christian household, and there's a, a concept in Christianity, some some evangelical circles called like the flesh and yes. the spirit, right? Like, and the idea is like the flesh is like sex, and like all this stuff that is like you in in and of yourself is sinful, and then there's like the mm-hmm. spirit, and like the that this movie seems very interested in those ideas, especially like Maud is trying to purge. Her flesh, her, her flesh, flesh out of herself, but also out of everyone around her, yeah, uh, in an interesting mm-hmm. way. And I, and I, like, that's the thing I really locked into because I was like, oh, that's a real psychological thing. Yeah. That even if you're not struggling with mental illness, if you grow up in a Christian household, that's something that you're struggling with all the time. Yeah, you're like, am I in my flesh right now? Right yeah, now, am I yeah, in my flesh? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's not even just lust in the obviously you talked about the sexual context, but it's just any, it's like any. Any human desire that's like hedonistic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. aside from like food, water, like drink, like the basic essentials. Uh-huh. When you start getting into excess, that's where flesh is involved. And yeah, there's this idea of a constant war because the spirit mm-hmm. is the is like the the all spark, mm-hmm. the oh, all God. spark. <laughs> <laughs> so stick the cube into my chest, Sam. 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 Stick the cube in my chest. Kill me, Sam. Kill me. I've lived a thousand years. Do you guys like, remember the me. animated movie when Optimus? Prime dies and he like transforms into a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that part? No, I never saw it. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. I, you just unlocked a memory of that first Transformers movie where, oh like, literally, you're as a kid, you're like, is he going to kill Optimus Prime <laughs> right now? It's kind of devastating. Yeah, just Optimus Prime turning into his own hearse and <laughs> driving himself. He's <laughs> like, be please kill me. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, God is, God is wacky not Optimus Prime. Prime. <laughs> that we know. That we know. Uh, but yeah, so uh, believing that God has rejected her, uh, Maud visits a pub to find companionship, but is rejected by most of the people she meets. And this is what we were just talking about. This mm-hmm. scene is really rough. There's also, before she meets the guy that she goes home with, uh, she Did they go home or, 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 or they? Ha- oh, okay. So I thought they were just like having guys. sex somewhere in the bar. Yeah, yeah no. The, the first guy, she just gives a little, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. wax on, wax off in the bathroom and then leaves. Stone face. Stone face. Just staring him down. And then he goes and like talks to his friends. He's like, let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> He had a, like, he has clarity. Right. He had the clarity. Yeah, post not clarity. Yeah, it's this weird thing. Like, creeped out by this girl's jacket. It's this weird thing where, the, again, this is Rose Glass kind of like messing with you because it's the typical moment in a regular movie where the girl goes into the bar right. and she's looking at the guy mm-hmm. and then they go have like crazy bar sex. Like in, there's like a scene in Jessica Jones where that happens and like any movie where there's a bar and a woman's in a bar. But in this, it's, yeah, very emotionally detached. She's just doing it because she thinks that's what she's supposed to be doing. Um, and I guess it's also the moment where, like, again, that flesh is coming out because we mm-hmm. also do get a moment. Um, we see her like get fired, you know, disbarred, so to speak, from the the nurse community, um, yeah. and uh, and then eventually she winds up at this bar. She meets this guy. Um, and, go. You know what? What's? Oh, sorry. No, you no. Guys, I was just gonna. 
<laughs> I think that, that's what I was talking about, though. Like, I was surprised by that scene because that's the insight to the person she was before, mm-hmm. you know, she took on faith. Yes. And, you know, like, up until well, that the moment, guy I was like, knew oh, her. she probably... Yeah. What? The, the, the guy knew her. He's, he's like, I remember you from so-and-so. Yeah. Like, you were weird Exactly. Then, and too. they, you know, when she's talking to Amanda, Amanda's like, oh, so this is a recent conversion, you know? And, and it's like, she doesn't, just because of how devoted she is, I assumed... She had grown up in a Christian household. She had been practicing practicing this for a while. So uh, with that conversation and then this bar scene, you're like, oh, this is not the person that you thought you entered this movie with. Right. Um, yeah. which, you know, right. which was great. And yeah. then they go home and they're, and they're having sex and there is that moment where she flashes back to crushing that dude's chest and then she gets yeah. off him. He's like, you okay? You okay? But then he gets back on top of her even though she doesn't want to. And This movie doesn't have very many scares, but that's a scare that really works. Oh, the, yeah. the chest breaking, I was like, oh my God, Absolutely. I'm really surprised. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, as those far as like, like jump scares, right? Because yeah. there, there are, are moments, moments that are, like when she is like pulling at her face mm-hmm. that, are, that are unsettling. But as far as jumps, yeah. then there's this really fantastic shot when she's walking home, this that perpendicular um, oh, the stairwell, right? Yeah. 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 Um, And as she's walking down to get into her apartment and this is where um, the levitation the levitation happens. Levitate. levitate. She also vomits Oh yeah. projectile vomit. Yeah. Which she does. I don't know if I ever really need to see puke in a movie. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> if, if you need to see it, like you don't like puke. Yeah. It's one of the three. It's one of the three things in a movie that'll ruin my day. What's the other two? Uh, it's racism. Uh, uh, no racism. <laughs> I, I actually racism. I don't know if you guys know this. I love racism. Uh, no, no, no. Usually, usually, uh, suicide messes me up in a movie. Mm. Vomit and then like finger stuff. Like when someone cuts off a finger or something, messes. Well, me finger up. nails, yeah. dude. And that- oh, I, I, I remember. Um, I, I saw this documentary about a the making of the Silence of the Lambs and they were talking about how no one really reacts to like hands and like legs getting cut off in movies but when you do shit like teeth pulling yeah. and like fingernails getting taken that oh. actually it's well, it also feels like something that could just happen to you at any time yeah. you feel like you could fall over like going down the stairs and like lose a tooth you yeah. know like yeah it's easier to separate like who's gonna come up to me with a machete and right if you lop off your arm like you feel like Anakin Skywalker okay that's what it is like watching Hellraiser this could never happen to me a bunch of chains coming out of nowhere and like yeah exactly but but yeah yeah, and I was actually, I was joking around with Zach. I was like, there's a limit to, and this goes for any of you. I've told many of my close friends, listen, if somebody comes looking for you and you've been living a life that I don't know about yeah. and they're like, where is this person? I'll take a few blows, a few punches, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll take some, even maybe a few cuts. If they bring out some pliers, what was his secret it's life? over. It's over. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm singing. Put, put, the, put, the timer in, put the timer down next to you when you're tied to a chair. Yeah. <laughs> what happens when this timer hits zero? Yeah. I better start talking. to do with that, last known address, nicknames, all that. Wow. <laughs> PlayStation IDs. And I think it's a oh, motherfucker. Because because you like, know my ID is just Danny Meadow. <laughs> <laughs> you piece of shit. But, I, but you know what, Zach, you've watched Ozark. If yep. if they start no. pointing at my they put toenails, you in the car. it's over. <laughs> you can have whatever you need. You can have my family. I don't have that much loyalty. Um, but yes, vomiting is one of the things yeah. that messes me up. And she projectile vomits Back to vomiting. all over the table. Yes. And this is the part of the movie where I actually I think it's working on a visual level, which is it's starting to become an impressionistic 
thing where we don't mm-hmm. actually know what's reality and what's not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because it's all real to so her. That's a staple of right. elevated yeah. horror. Yeah. But, but this one does eventually tell us that it was all in her head. Yeah. It's just like, a, a, kind of brilliant, actually. Just like a very brief, like, less than two seconds, her, her burning alive yeah. there at the we'll, end. Yeah, we'll get to that. It just kind of answers all your questions. Yeah, and, and the, obviously, yeah, so she, I think she starts praying in this scene, and then she does start to levitate into the air. It's this really nice shot, exorcist-type, yeah. you know, shot yeah. where she's, you know, it's not like, Yes. The whole so bent in half thing, thing but, but and then there's fireworks yeah. going off in the background. Beautiful shot. Um, wow. So fantastic. Um, uh, while out walking, she encounters Amanda's new nurse and interrogates her for information yeah. before storm- storming off when she realizes that her replacement enjoys a good relationship yeah. with Amanda. That scene did something interesting. I, I thought, thought she. I thought that woman was dead. Oh, <laughs> yeah. needle, oh. needle in I the neck. <laughs> because we spend the whole movie in Maud's head, like we're willing to when she meets this new nurse, like hate the nurse, like you know, for Maud, because it's because it's like we're we're so yeah. empathetic towards Maud. It's like yeah, if she hates this nurse like we will too but then the nurse is like just a regular person who's trying to get by and it's like oh shit like Maude you're way in the wrong yeah here, yeah you know? yeah it's definitely like a, a tug of war at your who are you rooting for absolutely know? absolutely um, is she wearing does she have the nails in her feet during that scene yeah I just yeah. oh around with the nails man in her feet. it's easy to forget about that yeah, yeah. They did. They didn't have like puddles. That's what they sold the movie on. Was that nail shot? I told. I told Zach. This is what I saw in the trailer. I was like, "Gotta see the movie now." Yeah, that's all I had to say. Yeah. Oh God, it's brutal too. Because like they they cut it in the trailer, like cringing and stuff. She does that, and then she's like, (gasps) "They cut it right as her foot's about to come down." But in the movie, she straight up stands. She basically she puts like. Yeah, what, she, what she's walking like, around for a those few like gels gels that you put, like insoles that you put in your shoes oh, if yeah. like you have like calluses on your feet. Yeah, she does one of yeah. those, but it has nails. I thought you were talking about one of those uh, shoe inserts that like make you two inches taller, or one, yeah, yeah like, like something like, like that. that. But it's got nails in it, and she stands up into the shoes and she screams, and then it cuts to her walking down the boardwalk. Yeah, to go meet the other nurse, um, punishing herself. I guess I definitely forgot about the the nails on the feet for whatever. But. She leaves the nurse alone in her apartment. Mm-hmm. She begs for a sign from God. And then this is where we have that, like, the witch. Straight mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is why, like, I, yeah. where she talks to What's God. What's to live deliciously? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you I'm don't sorry. see. Th- we have the Prince of Egypt cribbing here. As well. When God speaks to her in her voice. Guys, we need to respect the Prince of Egypt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. So what what Zach found out, and what we were talking about before we started recording, is that in this point, in this part, Morphid Clark, who plays Maud slash Katie, is conversing with um, with who she believes to be God, and uh, that that voice is her own voice in in yeah. Celtic and Welsh. I was willing to believe that it was um, like ancient Sumerian. I thought Me it was too. Sumerian. Yeah, Me too. Me too. It felt creepy and ancient. Yeah. I thought it was would have worked because yeah. then because at this point I'm still in the movie like okay is it going to she's been talking to Satan the whole time and doesn't yeah. know it oh right. that's what I thought that's too. where like and then I was really like this is just the witch because mm-hmm. I mean again yeah. like I, I want to talk about that 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 we'll get back to this but I, I want to talk about how the ending really answers the questions because it's like maybe it would have been better if it was ambiguous whether or not she was talking to God or Satan or she was just crazy we, we, let's put a pin in that because I, I also have thoughts about the ending in that yeah in that, in that yeah, thing. I but I but I'm I'm reason I comp- like for example, 
Um, Danny had corrected me, you know, again and said like, you know, A24 is a distributor. Like they're, they don't make the films. Sometimes but, they do. Yes. But, but people like, know what to do to, yeah. to get A24. And I'm looking at this like, wow. And not only the scene itself, but the, the way Morphin Clark, Clark, yes. The way Morphin the Clark shot. looks like Anya Taylor-Joy, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, you know, a little bit bare clothes, bare, you know, without clothes, long hair, mm-hmm. similarly similar features so like and she's talking to the camera uh yeah so she has this conversation with god i don't remember what all gets said um, like, you're so close to my will yeah a lot of ambiguous stuff um the chill the, the one that got me was just the way it says mom dad it's like mom yeah Done. It was that that got me. Yeah, no, yeah, that when it switches to English, that's always strange. Yeah, it's, that's it's the same thing good. that happens in Parasite. Yeah, um, where the yeah, that's starts. so interesting in Parasite how they'll just like kind of fashionably say sentences in English yeah. and go back to Korean. Yeah, in the creepiest way. Right. Um, yeah. Like, like, I think I the mother says, like, is that all right with you? Or something yeah. like that. Is it okay with you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, love that movie. But anyway. Great film. Um, Great flick. Yeah, there's also this thing that happens throughout the movie where Maud sees spirals in uh, in liquid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, she sees Tornadoes. Some, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, like, like a Uzumaki. Right. Um, so, yeah, she's talking to God. Uh, he says, tell her, yeah, he tells her to be ready for an act that will demonstrate her faith. Joy, her friend from earlier, visits and apologizes for reacting badly to the phone call that Maud made to her while she was uh, in the bar asking her to come out. During her visit, Maud interprets a rolling cloud formation as the sign from God and blesses Joy, who leaves for work. I also thought Joy was going to die in this scene. Mm-hmm. She's in her house. I was yeah. like, Hi- yeah, needle in the neck again. Like, that's what I thought. I was hiding in my pillow <laughs> at that scene. I thought she was just going to bash but, her head but against this, the But this differentiates itself from something like, uh, you know, uh, Vomit, a uh, Joker, you know, where he's just like going into killing spree. You're in my Because it has a very similar yeah, scene where like the guys come up yeah. to check on him and he, and he stabs those guys. That movie sucks. But, but, but this, you know, same mob is much more purposeful. Like, why would she kill that lady? It's it's our natural, you know, like kind of movie impulse, right? right. Th- that she would just go on a killing spree because we've but seen all the, these people going crazy movies, right? But the thing, Dan, I th- actually think, and we're going to get to this more at the end. I think this movie is much more in conversation with like Taxi Driver right. and First Reformed and and those like seventies oh, Schrader yeah. movies than horror movies. Because the narration, mm-hmm. the slow transformation, the slow interiority. The way that you start to believe their world And even the beats. The back end has all the beats that Taxi Driver and First Reform right. have. Mm. Uh, and then Joker rips off and does terribly. Well, what's, what's that weird, though, really is that so, like Joker is already point. such a so derivative of Scorsese's work, yeah. but it, it doesn't do the narration. It's like very why, strange. Why not just go all the way with it? Because you know, I and listen, I don't want to go into too much of a detour. I'll just say this because I was talking. We to my could dad shit about on Joker for four hours. We could. <laughs> That'll be for the time. paywall. Yeah. But um, but basically, I was saying to my dad because we were having a conversation about like serial killers and stuff, and I was like, you know, Todd Phillips apparently wanted this to be like, like this idea of okay be careful who you treat poorly because you don't know if people have like mental illnesses and like you assume that like it's like we're always we're all afraid of like the weird person right because we think they're going to do something dangerous but then he does like yeah they were correct he literally becomes a mass murderer and incites a a riot so it's like what do you actually that movie that movie is more in conversation with birth of a nation than anything else but anyway we can that that'll be the paywall episode yeah yeah just be afraid of the mental um yeah it's it's crazy so that same night 
Maud dresses herself up in a sh- she basically rips the sheets off her bed and she uh, to look like she's wearing um you know a nun's outfit and finds a rosary bead uh, and she waits outside Amanda's house and enters after the care nurse leaves. She finds Amanda in bed, extremely weak. She's kind of nearing the end. Amanda asks forgiveness for mocking her faith and Maud joyously reminds her of the time they experienced God's presence. Amanda reveals that she feigned the experience and states that God is not real. Maud recoils in horror as a now distorted and demonic Amanda hurls her across the room and mocks her for needing to prove her faith. In a frenzy, Maud viciously stabs Amanda to death. Now, Here's there the were a few genre classifications I was thinking. Like, I accepted, like, the, the trailers are probably misleading, but mm. once that happened, I was like, okay, it is. It is horror. Right. It is scary. When, when the turn that I wasn't sure about is, like, because I think straight up, when when Amanda turned into a demon, that was, I think that was Maud's, like, yeah. illness. No, definitely. Yeah. Right? But, because there's not, like, the movie isn't really about the supernatural. No, it's a horror film about mental illness. Right. But when she says, I faked it, that's what I'm yeah. not sure if Amanda said I faked it or if that's her thinking that Amanda. I I, you know I, mean? I think the I, I, um, I think the illusion comes in once she says that because that kind of breaks the the barrier in her mind of like seeing Amanda as a human being who needs help. Right. At that point, it's like no, only only Satan would say this. And would her, lie her to me like Projects that. her as mm, like a monster yeah. at that point. Right. Yeah, because she there's a moment where Maud starts to cry, and I think that's her moment of clarity, right? Like that's her like that's the first time she's really like I think impacted by how far she's gone with her faith, yeah. and how and she starts to feel like despair, like maybe this isn't what I thought it was, maybe it's not real, and then I think her brain protects itself mm. by all of a sudden conjuring the illusion that Amanda is Satan, and then hurls her across the room. And I and I think also along with that, Zach, I think it, it goes along with this theme in the movie that's like. The only way to purify yourself is via pain and via like, yes. yeah. uh, and via like these these demonic encounters. And I think for her, she's like, oh, this is my final test is de- yeah. is destroying Satan, who mm. is this woman in this bed who is dying. You know what I mean? Um, and that's interesting. Like that's an interesting thing that's happening. Definitely, how, how the mentally ill will always justify their actions with some some greater purpose. But even I think I think I Zach, I don't know if you found this. I read w- literally one article about this. Nothing else. Uh, <laughs> Rose Glass talks about uh, it not even being uh, being about mental illness, but also being about the idea that like a thousand years ago, if you said God spoke to me, everyone would be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, yeah, amazing. Tell us what he said. And like, if you said yep. that today, people would be like, "What are you talking yeah, about? What the fuck? Go somewhere else. Depart from." I read the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. It it it's really um yeah. This scene is really like where it goes full horror movie um for those few seconds when she jumps out and her face you know yeah. kind of oh, shrivels and she becomes yeah she becomes one of those things from I Am Legend that's like yeah bashing its head against the glass yeah. Yeah. The, the vamp yeah. zombies the zombies um. Vomit. Uh, in, in the morning, Maud is briefly seen with luminous angel wings. She wanders onto a beach oh and douses herself with acetone mm-hmm. before horrified onlookers. She utters her last words in Welsh, glory to God, as she self-immolates, which means lights herself on fire, if right, you don't know what right. immolate means. Rough. In her Absolutely. last moments, the onlookers kneel in awe as Maud looks up to the sky with grace before the scene reverts to reality, revealing a burning Maud screaming in agony. 
Super cool. Amazing. I, I love ending, I love endings where the lights come up and whoever you saw the movie with, you just look at them and you, you both just don't have anything to say. Right. It was just so like, holy shit for like the last five seconds. And then it cuts to black and you're like, what the fuck do we even like right. but, say about that? But this, this is where Dan, I think, I think like it really solidifies itself as like, it's much more taxi driver and mm. like first reform. First reform has an almost identical ending, which is like the person is dying but like it's the fantasy death as you're slowly going, you know what mm. I mean? Like he he drinks whatever that motor oil he's drinking with the crown of thorns on his body, yeah. and then Amanda Seyfried comes in and he's like, "Oh my gosh, you're here!" And they like fall in love, but you're like, "He's he's super dead." Mm. Um, mm. Well, the the, uh, the taxi driver ending, you know, it's up for debate whether or not that's all in his head after after he shoots everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so it's it's similar to that, but this does answer. This, yeah, your this makes it very plain that like. Nah, she yeah. lived. She lived she a life saint. alone, and she died yeah. in pure. Yeah, agony. never and got help. She wasn't seen by people until it was too late. Just too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's interesting because some people have had the interpretation that that's Maud burning in hell. Um, oh boy, right? Like, like that, that last moment. And Rose Glass has always been like, oh, sure, but like that's not what I intended but that is you know that's that's pretty valid I mean, um, once your creation you know, is out dead. there it belongs to <laughs> the audience well once once you create something i mean any real interpretation uh from an audience member is pretty much just as valid as the creator's intent because because now it belongs to the audience and it lives mm. on with you correct mm-hmm. yeah the creator has it's it's left them like a child leaving the nest you know Zach, did 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 Rose Glass give any insight on that ending as to what it is? Was she like, oh, this is straightforward, or was she like, oh, this means this? Yeah, she in her in her vision, that is just Maud burning. That is everything you have seen um before that point is from Maud's point of view. She's in every scene, so everything is through her eyes. That's true. And then that, that final scene when it cuts like that. That is reality, and it's it's this person that was suffering and didn't get the help that she needed, and wasn't seen until it was uh, too late. So so yeah, she's very plain about what that ending is to her, mm-hmm. um, and and then everything after that, the different interpretations of Maud burning in hell, like that. That's just she, you know, she's. Uh, excited that people have had those thoughts, but that's not what she intended for the movie. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, so, so that's the end of the movie, right? So we can kind of get into. <laughs> Should we give a, a rating and then move on? Yeah, like, yeah, like well, yeah, because we have a we do have a specific rating scale for the second movies that we do. Yeah, yeah. but this is this is different. I mean, like we can do like stars. Can we do like five burning mods? <laughs> uh, yeah, give it twenty seven burning mods out of thirty four. Yeah, I mean it's it's and 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 you know finality. I think that this is definitely worth watching uh, if y'all are into. You know, I, I I think I would put it under the umbrella of psychological horror. Uh, it's yeah, very yeah. much in the same way. A little that, body horror too. Yeah, in the same way that Hereditary mm-hmm. is about grief and yeah. mental illness, this is very much in that vein. And if you like that movie, you'll probably like this one. This one is actually less like scary. Yeah, so. it's also shorter, For so sure. you can pop it on in an afternoon and then still have time to watch. I don't know, uh, SpongeBob, a good Easter watch that puts out overpriced merch. Yeah, which which, which, you're uh, which I yeah. Dan yeah, is wearing um, a Saint Maud shirt. Uh, I hope A24 never listens to this podcast. Uh, but I'm gonna <laughs> but ask. Gonna I'm gonna ask. Is A24 uh, a company that makes movies, or do they make T-shirts mostly in movies on the side? <laughs> is a major question I have. 
and, for, and, for, and sweaters <laughs> that go for eighty five dollars that literally just say A twenty four. Look, uh, <laughs> just spelled out. Some of my favorite movies are A twenty four movies, but this is a question I have generally. Maybe yeah. someone will answer it for me. Well, uh, you know what though, but I'm actually curious. Uh, um, is is Rose Glass like what? Like how many female directors has A twenty four picked up? Uh, well, Gerwig. Uh, yeah, Gerwig. I was gonna say. Oh, right, Lady Bird. Gerwig, uh, Coppola. Oh, for Bling Ring? Bling Ring and uh, uh, On the Rocks. Okay. Because um, I'm thinking it's a, it's obviously you have Ari Aster, you have... Uh, it's uh, a boys club. That's a boy with a girl's name. It's a boys club, though. It's a pretty uh-huh. it's a pretty big boys club over yeah. at Area 24. So it's something to think about how, I mean, you know, uh, how it's... Close, yeah, close, close to my mouth, okay. It's something to think about um, how Sorry it's... Sorry about uh, that, folks. Technical <laughs> difficulty. You're good. Um, yeah, no, that's that's something that that came to mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, final thoughts. Yes, that's that's me. I would recommend it. Uh, I think that it's it's worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Zach, you you would you? Yeah, I, I definitely would recommend it. I mean, again, I'm probably the biggest baby here about horror <laughs> movies, um, and I was fine. Like I was tense, uh, but I I was fine, and I think it's great because it's not as scary as. Um, as hereditary, but it's it it has I think for me at least it was creepier than Midsommar, so I think it's like a nice like in the middle. In the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know it, Mids- that might just be me. Midsommar is like a bit. It's like it's like a bit too long. I it's think. a it's a line. It's, 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 it's too long. Kind of there's too many scenes where nothing is happening. Right. <laughs> I actually am a fan of that movie. I've watched it uh, a few times. I have as well. Even I, can admit, I have as well. There's, there's What's really yeah yeah it's I think but yeah to you and listen we. On this show, not not every pair of movies we review will make a good double feature. But as exactly. Zach just said, uh, Hereditary and Saint Maud could be a good back to back for yeah. you if if, if you want to ruin your day, right? Yeah. Or even the Witch and Saint Maud, honestly. I yeah. which is I guess my final thoughts will be will be this. But I think first reformed also first reformed also a religious horror movie. I think you could say. Mm. Um, I think uh, I think my major issue with this movie is my major issue with a lot of A24's horror movies, um, which is like, I think when you target horror at what I think A24's predominant target audience is, which is wealthy, young, white people, um, the focus becomes form and less on ideas, you know what I mean? Which I think is the reason why horror exists. Barry Jenkins said that um, when you pitch a movie to A24, they, they care more about the mood. And exactly. The mm-hmm. And and, and, and I think you can feel it. And, and these, and I like, waves. and I like yeah, waves is just all vibes. Uh, <laughs> and I like a lot of A24 movies. Like I think Barry Jenkins' work is incredible and Lady Bird and all that stuff and Uncut Gems, obviously. But I think, um, I think specifically in their horror department, I feel like horror is is often supposed to be a Trojan horse for deeper ideas. Right. And I think a lot of times we, when A24 makes horror and when a lot of prestige studios make horror, it becomes about the form, which is often great. Like the form is great, but I wish there was a little bit more substance. Well, I mean, you could argue that The Lighthouse is almost all form. It's all form. And yet mm. I think that's arguably their, their best. Horror of the horror. horrors? Arguably, I could get behind that. I would. I, you, I really. You it's could hard definitely for me. Argue that. It's hard for me to, to like that and the witch. I it's really like that. The witch hereditary. I in, probably in wouldn't put somewhere in my top five. Nah, not necessarily. They've made a bunch of horror movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a list, and I have to re-familiarize myself with Green it. But I, I, I definitely think my favorite of their horror movies is Waves. 
I haven't seen it, so that's gonna be an episode. You'll be the tiebreaker because I actually do like that. I know you like it. You don't like it. Zach hasn't seen it. There's just one scene where he's like ripping his bedroom apart, and they're playing a a Tyler the Creator song um, off of the Flower Boy album, and that scene kind of sucks. I don't. The rest of it is pretty good. I don't don't think it's a good movie, and I love it. I have seen (laughs) Waves five times. I've seen it twice. Yeah. Well, all right. So maybe we can take a look at that. But uh, we right now are gonna take a break. And we're going to come back with Black Narcissus. Wes is going to take command on that one. It's his pick for the week. Yes. All right. Incredible. Don't go nowhere. uh, Don't uh, worry. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Media Morgue. I'm Wes. I'm going to be your mortician of choice today. And today we're going to be talking about Black Narcissus. I'm going to give you some stats on this movie. It was directed, written, and produced by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. The cinematographer is Jack Cardiff. It was edited by Reginald Mills, production design from Alfred Judge, based on, and I'm going to get this, this name wrong, Rumir Godin's, Gudin's? I don't know. It's a 1939 novel of the same name, also called Black Narcissus, and it was released, and this is important, on May 4th, 1947 in the UK, August 13th of the same year in the USA, and it was the same year as India's independence from Britain, which is really important. We'll probably get into that later. Danny, give us a bad log line of Black Narcissus. Uh, Listen, these nuns, they're frustrated. I might even say dangerously horny, so that's that's really all you need to know. (laughs) So that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> they are they are hazardously horny. Going into this, uh, I hadn't seen this one, but uh, the directors, as, as was said, are uh, Michael Powell, Demerick mm-hmm. Pressburger. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had a Powell and Pressburger weekend. I, I rewatched the the Red Shoes, mm-hmm. which I hadn't seen since high school. I, I know that you've seen that, Wes. I have. I have. Beautiful movie. I mean, I, I think well I like made. it more than uh than this one. There, there's that part where it gets all impressionistic, where it's where it's the ballet and. There's that um, double exposure mm-hmm. wide shot of her dancing on the stage mm-hmm. and the audience kind of turns into uh, waves crashing on a shore and like the stage is like the shore. I mean, there's just profoundly like beautiful imagery in that. And not so much in this one, but we'll... I think this is a little bit. We'll get into that. But um, we'll, we'll get into the, the visual language of the film because I think that's yeah. the reason to watch it. Um, so. so one thing we're going to be doing in the morgue, in this segment of the Media Morgue, is we'll be reading the best letterbox reviews of the Great. movie that we're talking about. So I've handpicked <laughs> three of the greatest letterbox reviews for Black Narcissus, and here they are. The first one, and I, I, I apologize if someone whose letterbox review I'm reading happens to find this podcast, I apologize for mispronouncing <laughs> your name. It is what it is. This one is from Alf Beth Knowles' two-star review. The British Empire's very own, you can't fire us, we quit letter. No, wait. The British Empire's very own, it's not me, it's you letter. (laughs) Excusing the rampant exoticism and eroticism on account of something in the atmosphere that makes us everything seem exaggerated. Uh. Wish this had been a better vehicle for Ruth's lipstick. 
I think that's very good. That's fair. a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Not bad. That's my favorite. Second one. Second one. This one is uh, Dawson Joyce's five-star review. <laughs> Unfortunately, distracting brown face aside, which is how you always want to begin a review. <laughs> Black Narcissus is a stunningly crafted and remarkably well-acted work of filmmaking. That's the very definition of profound from the luminous technicolor cinematography to the absolute unbelievable tension to the amount or the rich amount of emotional intelligence on display, both in the script and on camera. And the third one in my favorite, Ellie Manny Manuel's one star review, which is simply the consequences of horniness. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is where, which is, which is, which is what this movie is. Um, (laughs) So, so, so let's just get into like a a general conversation about this. And I think the best place to start is, uh, is where Danny actually was, was talking about before we started recording, which is guys, what genre is this movie? Right. Cause it ain't horror. I don't know. I actually think it's, I think it falls into like the, like the thriller grab box, right? Like thriller is kind of something maybe you can the last s- third. Yeah, you can slap on anything, and it's like. But but I was telling Wes like the movie is yeah, like you said, it's the last third. The movie is like it. You don't it it when it, the way it starts, you think it's going to be like a musical. Yeah, like I felt like I was watching it's, the. It's very like it's, grandiose and sweeping, and in the colors, as Wes was talking about before, they they shot it with um tri strip Technicolor. Yes, which was a very limited uh, way of shooting that uh, Powell and Pressburger kind of pioneered. Ooh. They sh- they shot the red shoes in a in the, the same way. Um, so mm-hmm. it looks beautiful. I mean, the colors pop, mm-hmm. and that's that's one of the the main things that catches your eye. It's gorgeous cinematography. Um. Mm. Mm-hmm. Really old uh, use of green screen here when when she's atop of the mountain she's ringing the bell, mm-hmm. and they kind of have a matte a painting matte beneath yeah. her the green screen. Yeah, um, and you can see it kind of shifting and stuff. But I mean, it's still it's still a really. I, I, uh, in terms of genre, the reason why I I consider it actually I think this is a horror movie, and I probably have a broader definition of horror than a lot of folks because I just like horror and I want everything to be horror. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think th- the way that this has influenced modern horror directors like Ari Aster and like uh, Robert Eggers is pretty profound. And I think the last kind of the manic energy of the last third. I'll say this. Yeah. That last third, yeah. w- when she's alone in the uh, in the church and yeah. um, Sister Ruth is kind of like skulking about, she's hiding. Yeah, yeah. Those shots of like the floorboards and stuff. Throws and it's the like, out the window. Is she alone? Is she not? That yeah. kind of reminds me of Ash alone in the cabin at the end of The Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Lots of similar yeah. camera Definitely. work and I, stuff. I guess just for a bit of uh, something for the, the listeners to uh, attach themselves to, the the premise is pretty simple, right? It is. Uh, it takes place during the colonial um, uh, occupation. occupation. Thank you of uh, of India by Britain, and there's a bunch of Anglican um, nuns. I was going to say nurses who want to open up essentially like a, a a monastery in India and a school for young women. Uh, Deborah Kerr is the main actress playing Sister Clodagh. Um, she is joined by David Far- Farrer as Mister Dean, who was giving me major. Um, Clayton vibes from Tarzan <laughs> or that, but I was getting a lot of he. I, I was like, oh, that's Clayton. Um, yeah. Lots of transatlantic uh, bravado. Yeah. <laughs> Kathleen Byron as <laughs> Sister Ruth, notes. who eventually kind of goes crazy, and Gene Simmons as Kanchi, who I think has no effect on the plot. Uh, she uh, is a 
is the unfortunate blackface in question. Well, she's one of two because there's also there's the, a, there's the white man dressed as the prince. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, guy from the red that shoes. is the first ten minutes of the movie, yeah. and literally he's playing one of the worst stereotypes I've ever in, seen. In, in my both life. of these movies that I've seen from them, he well, in this he's in brownface, and the other he's he has like a glass eye that's extremely noticeable. He's a one-eyed actor. Oh, okay. And they give him a glass eye, and, he, and he's like looking around with the eye that works, the and the other guy. one is. The, the the prince that's in blackface. Okay, well that's interesting because yeah, I think he is like squinting an eye or something yeah. in this role. So in in, in both <laughs> movies they they put him in weird uh, makeup. I mean that it's it's good that they gave him a check. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the I mean we'll we'll, we'll get into this. I'm I'm interested in what Zach has to say, but we'll get into um, this movie has often been called a critique of colonialism. I don't know if that's possible okay. with mm. what they're doing in yeah. the movie, but Zach, go ahead. What were your thoughts Seems on the movie? And what do you, what genre uh-huh. do you think it is? I was thinking, uh, yeah, it was kind of tough. I thought something around like psychological drama, um, you know, and, and obviously it's like kind of hailed as like one of the first like erotic movies, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and which is like, I, I wouldn't, you know, I mean like, yes, but also, you know, you're watching it and like, there's that moment where they like touch hands and I'm like, Ooh, yeah. careful. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's Over pretty anti-sexuality in a way. I mean, when the one nun becomes extremely horny, she's like a monster. Yeah, no, she's they're, 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 they're she's all... doing that Kubrick glare where she's like staring yeah, at the camera looking... through her eyebrows. They light, they light her in a way where she looks like Pazuzu from The Exorcist. <laughs> I'm sorry. So sexuality is scary. Zach, go ahead. Yeah, no. So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, the, the that's kind of because I think I read that before I started the movie. So I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a, a real like sexy movie. And, you know, it, when was it made again? It was 1947. 1947. So, yeah. So that seems apt for for the time. For yeah, you got like, oh You got to imagine the censorship board was like, now, wait a minute. Well, well here's the, the, the wild thing about this is the censorship board in America is more stringent than the censorship board in England and mm. made them cut oh. all of the scenes out, the flashback scenes out, because they were like, it's too blasphemous for a nun to be sexy. So they cut all the flashbacks. Even scenes though it's out. literally giving context for know. why she became a nun. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, just being the story. A <laughs> or like it's blasphemy. She can't. It's just, just the story. There's a great moment where it kind of uh, crosses all from her memory to, mm-hmm. to the presence. Mm-hmm. And the it's like um, a diegetic, like in camera transition where like they have the actors face like in the same yeah. mm-hmm. position in both. It's like a beautiful process. It's like a De Palma shot. Yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, 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 I'm actually very, very interested in what we're talking about, which is what we've landed on, I guess, as the thing of the movie, which is how horny the movie is. But I think mm-hmm. actually the way it does desire and what desire means for this movie, especially in this context, I think is the connective tissue to St. Maud, right? Like, so I think yeah. St. Maud is the story of a saint surrounded by sinners. And this is about, um, saints in like the most sinful place, quote unquote, that they can be, which is the problematic thing, because the the sinful place they're in, they is, call them savages. Is, yeah, it's India. It's just a the place Himalayas they call specifically. Yeah, yeah, you know? a place they're choosing to be. Yes, yeah, to civ- mm-hmm. to civilize the people. So, so a lot of critics have called this movie an anti-imperialist movie, and I don't know what you guys think about that. I definitely feel like that was not the intention. Yeah. Because it's it seems to... Sorry, my mic was <laughs> away from my face. It definitely seems to make it seem like they're living in harmony and the nuns mean well and, and they're meaning to educate these people and, mm-hmm. you know, 
have them take in Christianity because they see them as uh, pagan savages. Um, right. But the, the nuns are like not even subtly, they're like outwardly racist. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so I don't know, because the movie has brown face, so I don't, I don't know if it's trying to, you know, um, like acknowledge that like the nuns are problematic or anything. Right. I, I think that would only be something we would take away watching this movie in, you know, 2021. Yeah, I can't imagine coming into the theater... In the Nickelodeon in 1947 and being like, wow, that taught me a lot about like what it means to to like what imperialism is. I mean, like the movie, like that first letterbox review said, right, it seems more, if anything, like a wistful sort of looking back on right. the, 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 the bygone era time. yeah, of imperialism yeah. that was ruined by was like, better. because I guess Ruth was overcome by like the the savagery of the environment. I don't know. Um, it, it, it's, it's very strange. It's the, the thing that makes me not believe that that was the intention other than obviously it wasn't the intention of the filmmakers <laughs> is the year it comes out. So it comes out the year that India gains independence, which means decades leading up to the film, Britain is weakening as an empire. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, you know, the way America is now in certain senses feeling wistful and it's self-mythologizing about how great they were as right. they're losing. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's the reason why yeah. we were just talking about it. It's the reason why Green Book won the Oscar is because uh, in a lot of ways, Hollywood is seeing itself begin to turn into something else. And they're like, hold on. Remember those days? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, there, the, the movie is really like a collection of moments. that but There is a plot, but it's like... Mm-hmm. It's not anything. It's very character based. I think like more. Yeah. I wouldn't say more so than Maud because Maud is a, very much a character study. It's it about is one a character person. study. But like, there's not a lot of plot that we need to really go through heavily. Um, you know, the nuns get there. There's a bunch of kind of different, distinct ones. Um, and uh, like their sister, uh, uh, Bryony, um, who's kind of like the like enforcer. <laughs> She's like one of the uh, one of the She's older, the, the older one. Yeah, the, not the not the really old one, but the one who, um, when they have that sick child, she's like taking it, his temperature and everything. There's this this character of uh, Dean, Mister Dean, who I guess is like the, he's like the, the military dashing enforcer, rugged rogue. Yeah, like yeah. overseer. All bunion. Yeah, he's yeah. like the overseer of the, of the uh, the 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 uh, Himalayan natives, yeah. um, and I mean. We're supposed to believe that, like, Ruth is, like, in love with him and that he's in love with uh, Clota. 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 (laughs) And then that's why, and then Ruth gets jealous and then that's why she she kind of unleashes at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's, it's. Why would you love this man? He, he's extremely condescending to everyone for the whole movie. But he's England. Yeah, but he is England. Like that's the point. But he is England. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're supposed to be like, wow, what a handsome guy in his booty shorts <laughs> walking through this nunnery. <laughs> this I think that, I think that is what it donkey. is. They're not particularly attracted to him. It's just he's another like white guy who's there like doing work around uh, yeah the nunnery. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I wanted to get quickly into character stuff, and then I wanted to get into some of the categories that we're gonna run through with the, this movie. Um, in terms of, of characters, so we have three characters that are at the core. We have the two nuns, and then we have strapping British man. And then we have these kind of satellite characters yes. that are serving the plot 
but are more or less just there to push the story, whatever mm. that story is, along. Mm-hmm. And two of those characters are, so you have the general's nephew, yeah, who's the only mm. Indian actor, I believe, who's actually played by... Uh, a South Asian actor. Is that true? I, I believe. Well, so. well, I think, I think the extras, 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 and that's why they can be correct. ethnically accurate because that's they don't crazy. contribute to the story. So it's like for scenery as a backdrop, we'll mm-hmm. we'll make it authentic. But yeah. when we need act- people to talk, like we just can't get over that accent, I guess, I, or whatever it is. Even though the general's nephew clearly, is. and it's it's just weird. Like for example, with with Kanchi, one of the big points about her is her beauty. And it's like, y'all know, like, actual South Asian women are, are beautiful, right? Like you, <laughs> you could, like, you didn't need to darken a white woman up to make that point. So she's she's the, yeah. the harlot character with the green eyes? Yes. Does she have green eyes? She's the one that's, like, the rebellious. Yeah. Dean's like, you have to watch out for her. She's you have to watch yeah. out for her. She'll try and fuck you. Well, <laughs> well, but, but, this is, but this is, I think, also, unintentionally, this movie is, like, this lineup that we picked is very unintentionally, like, useful for the time. A, it's Holy Week, and we picked two movies about. This space. comes out on Good Friday, so um, praise God. Uh, <laughs> but also th- this idea of like how they they're eroticizing these Asian women in this movie. Like the only Asian quote unquote character in the movie who's a woman doesn't have any lines. She doesn't speak. <laughs> She doesn't speak. speak. No. And she, she doesn't speak once, right? No, she doesn't. <laughs> and she's just a sexy 17-year-old. And it's like, <laughs> she's 17. Like, Do they, they say she's 17. Yeah, they? that's the first thing they say. And they're like, barely remember because I watched it so late last night. The memory of this movie is so fleeting that you could tap me in the forehead and it would fucking <laughs> fall out the back of my skull. You'd have to find another white boy to talk about 60s movies with. For these movies with. Which is, I know, a fate worse than death. I, uh, a cruel fate. We, 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 we have to really look hard. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> but it's me on the, on the forehead, and the movie would pop out of the back of my <laughs> She she yeah. literally has no lines, and the first thing they say is she's like standing away in like a far away wide shot, and they're like, mm. "That seventeen year old's real sexy. We gotta <laughs> yeah. get a hold on her." <laughs> they're always putting her in sexy little position. She's like crawling on the floor at one point. She's like under like a an animal. Yeah. 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 What are you yeah. doing? I, I, um, I actually do have like a. I didn't. I couldn't figure out how to phrase it in time to write it on the document, but I do have like a. Um, Please. A general question about these two movies in conjunction. Yeah. Which is that, and again, like I said in the first part, like sometimes we'll pick two movies that are maybe thematically related. Sometimes we won't. Uh, you'll find out next week's pick at the end. Uh, but when, uh, when looking at these two movies, I'm wondering like what. What are these two movies saying about women who have faith? You know, like like religious women and like and we are the, the perfect reason- guys, to talk right? About that. But like why yeah. they why they um why women are drawn to faith? You know, and it's it, because like obviously with Maud, there's this like there's this need for companionship that she has in every sense, platonic, romantic, sexual, all that. Um, with the nuns, there isn't really a like the the religion is really just scenery like there's you don't necessarily get a sense for any of their personal relationships mm-hmm. yeah well yeah they touch on that with uh with the sister cloud she, she turns Clouda. to religion because right they, they didn't she say to 
She's heartbroken, and that's when she becomes a nun. Isn't that right? Oh, oh, oh my God. I'm sorry. For for everyone listening, that was my 13-year-old cousin. Um, it's over now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text him really quick as I speak about this. But I'm pretty sure that sister, as I type on my phone, sister Clouda, um, she does say that it was it was something with with the man that she grew up with, right? The boy that she grew yes. up with, mm-hmm. and uh, she thought she was going to marry him, but he had different ambitions. He went to America. Yeah, he she, he didn't take her, and then that drove her to yeah. pursue. So it's, faith, it is right? yeah, like like you was yeah, it's a similar it's a similar thing. This uh, and you know obviously like the sort of the patriarchal setup of Christianity that you know. I'll, positions god very often as this surrogate father as dad yeah, yeah. you know uh, dad and or lover so optimus prime <laughs> well i got my heart broken but i came to the church of optimus prime and uh, every, every for communion we break all spark and, and wash it down there's just a giant Optimus Prime statue. <laughs> we we went straight to blasphemy. Yeah, we did. We, 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 did. we, we didn't stop. We went straight <laughs> right into it. Um, but yeah, I, I just brought that up because I think that is one of the things that unifies these two movies. Obviously, you have women mm-hmm. finding faith, but the primary women specifically as a result of a relationship that they lost mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or that isn't there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, sorry. Yeah. Back to your, your no, 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 that's an easier think... connecting thread, though. Moving forward, it's going to be harder to connect. Oh, depending oh, on yeah, what, what I'll find you. something. <laughs> no, no, but I, I I agree with you, Justin. I think I think the the major connecting tissue is that these are both about. Um, I think in the case of uh, Saint Maud, it's a singular journey, but I think in the case of um, of uh, Black Narcissus, it becomes almost a love triangle. Mm. But it's about um, these people who have given themselves over to, to Christian faith. Uh, in this case, mm-hmm. and they, they hate and they love the object of their desire. You know what I mean? Like they both hate and they're also grappling with the feeling that like this person, like I, I, I think you could read St. Maud in a way where it's it's queer desire. You know what I mean? Like I think that that is on the table at mm-hmm. least in, in, in a reading of the film. And I think they both, in both St. Maud and Black Narcissus, you have characters who are women who have come this far in their faith and they see this person who's on the outside of it and they hate and love that person, you know what I mean, on the other end of it, and I think that's an interesting thing. And they both deal with religious crises and and what that does psychologically to you. They're both really interested in that. So I think you're mm-hmm. onto something, Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So I think we'll be able to to talk even more about this as we get into our categories. So the first category we have is aged the best. So we're just gonna call out things we think have aged the best in this movie. This movie came out seventy four years ago. Good God Almighty! So the list wow. is short. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure we can find some things. Yeah, um, yeah, like now, this like is unironic. Yeah, yes. I mean, it can be ironic if you really want. That last <laughs> third feels much more modern than the rest of the film. Absolutely. Yes. When it gets into, like I said, her alone in the church and and Sister Ruth is like skulking about. That feels. Almost like a modern horror film. I can, like I the agree. suspense yeah. that would be built in a scene like that. I agree with that. that. Uh, yeah, the rest of it is, is very, uh, sound sound of very much a product of its time. Yeah, yeah, it's very sound, sound of music. music. Yeah, I would say that, uh, like you have on the document, yeah, it looks great. Its visuals have, I think, for the most part, hold up. I think even with the matte painting, like it's, it's well enough uh, conceived mm-hmm. that like 
even if you are able to look at it long enough and see, oh, that's a painting, you're not like taken out of it. Yeah, yeah. And and it's in the same way that like Star Wars had matte paintings behind, you know, or back projections, stuff like that. Um, uh, What's that fantasy movie with David Bowie? Some of the matte paintings. Oh, uh, the boy who fell to. No, no, no. no. Not that's, Labyrinth? That's a, yeah, Labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The, the one dance, magic dance. dance. Yeah. Like, it, the matte paintings in this oh, remind me of a lot of design in that. Yeah, yeah. So that looks good. I think, um, I don't know. It's it's it can be really tough to talk about performances in movies pre like nineteen seventy pre Brando. Yes, and Brando because, and Brando hasn't hit yet. Yeah, because everything out. was so like like um, stagey, stagey and calculated and and like by the numbers. Like there was a certain way that people had to act. It's extremely theatrical. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I will say though. I was pretty impressed with. Uh, I mean, all I, I I did like the. I didn't. Yeah, I I agree with you in talking about performances. There's like a certain feel to movies, like mm. in those days, that just like it all kind of feels the same. But Sister Clouda, I just noticed with her a lot of times, like there are these like micro expressions that she has where it just feels like she's giving a look, and and I felt like there was a lot of thought behind it. You know, yeah. like even if it's minute, just like her wrestling with like her attraction to someone uh, or to Dean, right? Is that his name? The, yes. the strapping yeah, British, British fellow. fellow. Yes. Um, Barrel you know, like wrestling. Yeah. yeah, like her her attraction and her uh, abhorrence towards him. You know, I I, I did right. see that. You know, because they have a lot of close ups on her, and it's it's not easy. You know, to just like be subtle with that. It's it's a little bit of that um that uh enemies to lovers trope. Oh yeah. For like you oh, know yeah. the whole you know we're we're we hate each other and we're arguing the whole movie, but it's because we actually like want to get down yep. and dirty you know what i mean it's that suppressed Love sexual that. tension yeah which like works sometimes other times mm. it makes no sense like sometimes they, no if sense. you go too far with the enemy thing then it's like no these people just don't like each other yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no tension they, they, yeah, yeah they, they would, would never, never they, they would, would never, never uh get together and if they did they'd immediately regret it um yeah sort of like a lot of people have been talking about this is totally different but um sam and freddie and i carly Oh wow, Seti? I was, I was not expecting sick. this turn. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting it back then. Either. I thought you were gonna say something very profound, and you're like, like, uh, yeah. like um, Nickelodeon's classic seven season live <laughs> action sitcom, iCarly. Um, I think it was seven seasons. It feels like it. It feels like it's still on TV. Right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, they show reruns all the time. The last yeah. time I had Nickelodeon on, it was just iCarly. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what else, else do you guys think aged well? What else is aged well? The I can't remember what that scene with uh, where she where where she's making the rounds and then the light goes out under yes. Sister Ruth's door and just walking in like that was genuinely there's amazing scary. lighting in, in mm. that whole yeah. swath of the film. I mean, there's that part where light is coming through. Um, what's what's that church structure where it's like hexagon shapes? You know, stained glass. It's not stained glass. It's like a wooden thing. But, but oh, the light is coming through it and illuminating them, and then. The other woman shows. She's like a legendary character actor in in Britain. I forget her name. She shows up with uh, the lantern, and it kind of oh, the old woman, woman that's, that's like, like the, the groundskeeper with, the, with the very few teeth. Yes, yes. Uh, that, that was, was also, also like, like great an interesting performance. I was the most interested in the wise man. I guess he was the general, yeah. the guy who was just sitting there and like, oh, the general's brother or his dad or something. Yeah, like, like sitting there. The holy man? Yes, yeah. the holy man. Thank you. It's like his the general's uncle or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. 
Yeah, he was cool. I thought it would come to something by the end of the movie. Didn't. 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 <laughs> um, He's just there. Well, well maybe it's to say that this, this human drama that they have, the, the, the longing and the horniness, uh, what have you, <laughs> is like, like kind of beneath him. It, like this, I mean, they're talking uh, about... Uh, Sister Ruth has like escaped and, and she goes to ask him and, and the young boy says uh, that would be like minuscule to him. That would be very small mm-hmm. yeah. to, to the things he's observing right. nature and he's observing the way that the world is, is changing. And in a way, what I, what I also like about the movie is like, I, I didn't, I didn't remember to keep track of if this actually keeps up in the movie the whole time. But like, remember early on when um, I think it's Dean who comes in and says, there's a boy who's fallen ill and they're going to drum until he's healed. And if they stop drumming, uh, yeah, it's because he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a scene later in the movie when Ruth is in Dean's house that you can hear drumming in the background. Interesting. And I, it's just, it's cool that like, at the very least, the world of the Himalayas is not bound to what these white people are doing. Mm-hmm. Like it's happening mm-hmm. in, in, you know, on its own. And like, that's kind of what the Holy Man, again, also represents is like, no, I actually... I don't need to be, um, I don't have to, yeah, like I, I, I don't have to move according to what you guys think is appropriate for me to do. I, I, I also think that that, I, I kept expecting the holy man to do something, even though I'd seen this movie before. I was like, there has to be a payoff to that, right? Mm. And there's not. Uh, but there's, there's they do have that scene where um, Sister Clauta, uh is uh, with, with um, you know, whatever the British guy's name is, uh, Chris <laughs> Pine, Chris Pine, whatever. He would be Chris um, Pine, wouldn't he? Uh, and, and he's, she's like, he's on our property. Move him. Right. And he's like, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, I think, I think in moments like that, the movie is attempting some kind of, uh, larger idea or larger sure. critique. Sure. Um, mm. but the critique is undercut by all the brown face and by, the scenes where they literally block the white people to be a foot above the brown people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where like the brown people are around them like they're children. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. standing yes. on that uh, podium and yeah. kind of holding the, the water the above magic. them. They're all like reaching yeah. up, trying to grab it. Yeah. 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 And, and I, uh, I would say maybe the only, pay- I don't need him to speak. I think the only payoff I wanted is like another m- character moment between him and someone else. I'm wondering, I don't remember, is there, do you see him at the end when they're all riding out of the town? No, you see The no. village? Because it would have been cool to see him like observing. Behind. Are you talking about Dean or the holy man? No, I'm saying, man, do you right? see the holy man no, at the end of the movie? No. Yeah, yeah. You see the the white guy looking wistfully at his uh, yeah at his, his former kingdom yeah. in the rain. Pours <laughs> down his his jaw. <laughs> I, I do though like the visual of the fog rising to block the that's that cool was really good visual closure. I I, uh, I think the last thing I'll say age the best is that Christmas scene where he just shows up loaded. He's and just, he's, he falls yeah. right into that harmony. You can tell he was raised in church because he falls right into that, that Christmas harmony. He just Does he knock over a, a, a stool for no reason yes. upon entering? He, he just like kicks, kicks it the over. door open and comes in cussing at people. Like and, he's, he's, and the general is like, my man, like you're embarrassing me. Like, what are you doing? These are my teachers. He is belligerent. And then, yeah. and, and then they give him a, you know, like a, you know, like a little hymn sheet. And then his, the himmel. Yeah. And Speak, then, speaking of the general, though, let, let's talk about his role because the movie is actually—I mean, the story—is named after his uh, the, the clone. clone yeah, the clone. Right. 
right. What do you and, want they, to and, they, and they say black narcissist is fitting for him because he's so vain. And then mm-hmm. one of the sisters says, well, he's not black. And then another sister says, well, they all look the same to me. Right. Oh, yeah. So here's the thing. I actually made a note because when they, I, the whole movie, I'm like, this movie has such a like dark title that I'm waiting for the turn. I'm waiting for like right. when they go down the stairs in Parasite, you know? And, and when he says like, oh, it's the name of my cologne, I was like, there's this won't bode well. Not that the movie won't be good, but that like usually when there's a small detail like that, that's the title of the movie. I feel like it means like there's some deep like trauma that's gonna happen by the end, which isn't necessarily kind of the case. I mean, you know, the woman dies, Sister Ruth. Right. <laughs> she gets cheated right off that uh, <laughs> off the bell tower. Off the bell tower. Assassination attempt. <laughs> the, the 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 rule of three though. The movie really does follow the rule of filmic three, where you see something three times, and on the third time something happens. Right. Good for yeah. them. Yeah. 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 Oh, because <laughs> the third time she goes to ring the bell yeah. is when they have that she gets, fight. She, and she, but isn't but am I incorrect or isn't Ruth the one who has been ringing the bell up to that point? She has been. Right. And then she goes and so up now to, it's to, to kick she, her boss right. off the thing, <laughs> and it doesn't work out. Um, yeah. So, with that said, let's move into Age the Worst. Well, All the brown right. face. The brown face for The sure. brown face the is brown number face. one. I think we're in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's tough. Well, it, maybe sexuality as, like, uh, this this thing that ends up driving you insane and killing you. Right. Sexuality mm-hmm. as a, because it's one thing to, if you want your movie to genuinely sell, like, celibacy as a, as a spiritual experience and practice, that's one thing. But if it's like, no, having sex will make you... Evil. Insane. An insane person. Then, yeah, that's kind of not the most um, modern thing. Uh, but I also think, like, it, it, it isn't just that. It's, it's more than just the sexuality make you evil. It's that the literal, quote-unquote, exotic location that they're in mm-hmm. is making them sexual monsters. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like they have, they've touched down in India... It immediately are horny. Wait, <laughs> they're not they're not attracted to any of the people who live there. They they all like kind of latch onto the one other white man that yeah. they right. they see semi again Monday. because he does represent the fatherland. The West because yeah, we're also. horny for the British Empire. Right. <laughs> um, any other things that have aged poorly? Uh I mean, like I I couldn't actually tell whether or not that groundskeeper was supposed to be an Asian woman. <laughs> or if she was just like, or if she was I just like a was. white woman who like <laughs> got there a few decades before everyone else, and also like crazy, knew the lay of the land. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, but I, I mean, I think it's just yeah. Anytime that you're 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 shooting a movie, I don't know if this is on location. Uh, they probably just built most of yeah, the sets. Yeah, it's sets. Well, but, there's actually a lot of miniatures. It's It's got right. a lot of old school uh, right. practical Yeah, and I, I think like, you know, they prob- we weren't really doing location shooting that much back in the day probably, but if you are attempting to recreate a place and the only reason you use people who look like they would live there is to, again, legitimize the, the aesthetic of the film, that's crappy because like if you're going to cast... Mm-hmm. Asian extras then cast an Asian principal, you know? And it's not even like yeah. the, the characters who would be Asian are that big of a role. The yeah. only one, I yeah. mean, they, they, I mean, it's, it's weird that like, they, don't we that only they, see that King one time? Yeah. It's weird that the king? prince or whatever is, or King is in brown face and he's on screen for two minutes. And then the general who's like, who comes in in the, in the second act is an actual Asian actor. You would think if they were going to do anything, they'd they swap that. And, and 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 the the guy at the beginning is just not just in brownface, but he's like doing a horrible 
like staring. No, he's up. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's doing it. Like, like, it's really hard to watch. <laughs> it's, it's very bad. And it's and, and you know, I think I think sometimes when we watch old movies, we, we made the joke like brown face aside, but I actually think it's it's actually really dangerous. Like I think I think especially if you're talking about the forties, you see something like this in a time where India is attempting to become an independent state. And this is like really dangerous propaganda. Like this is like mm-hmm. propaganda right. that could cause violence towards Indian people living in the British Empire at the time. And, and even contextualizing now, yeah. the film, it's not even about how they're occupying and, and taking advantage of its economy and people. It's it's that that's in the background of this mm-hmm. little like love triangle thing right. that's going on. You know, they, they the the film is so not interested in in its climate. Right, it's not. It's it's like a. I in my notes I wrote. It, it reminds me a lot of the Wes Anderson movie Darling, uh, Darjeeling, Darjeeling Unlimited, Unlimited, and then also Lost in Translation, the Coppola movie. And those are two like filmmakers that I think are like skilled. But I think the idea of using a a, a location as a backdrop for white characters to discover themselves, which valid. is is like not great, and also is something we keep doing in a weird way. It's it's. Um it's related to, but not the same as the white savior trope, yeah. right? Where like, oh no, the, it is. It's the same thing. It's but I, well, thing. I think it's like the white savior being injected into a place and then like solving all of its problems versus yeah. the place solving the white person's problems. Yeah, it's in, slightly in, different. In this film, can you say that either of those things happen? Because because one of my biggest issues is that they're really unconcerned with like. The, the natives and With, the actual yeah. land, like it's it's all about their. Comment. You would you would almost think to that degree that like that they'd be fighting over the prince. Why do they even introduce him if no one's attracted to him? Well, the the seventeen year old is attracted to him. Yeah, but do, do they get married? They they look at each they other. They run away, right? Yeah, they run away together. Oh, is that true? They, they, after I after a meaningful that. hug, they are never seen again. <laughs> I must have, I must like, have blinked he, and missed it. He's <laughs> like everybody here is a child except for you, who's also right. a child, but Ooh, not a child. <laughs> I just, but it, it it means something that we didn't pick it up that some of you guys didn't. No, pick for it up. sure. I, I don't even remember that. For sure, yeah. it's not good. Um, do you um, have more categories for us? I do. I have one more. I have one more. Uh, so this one is I don't know if we'll keep doing this one, but I I think it's a fun little exercise. Would you remake it? And what would your team be, your production team? So we're talking about director and lead actors and writer, if you really can think of one. Um, real fast, though, this was remade by FX in what? a three-part miniseries last Correct. year. Last year? Yep. Starring Diana, Diana Riggs and Gemma Arnton. Arterton, yeah. Arterton. Uh, I had I, a big thing for Gemma Arterton after Clash of the Titans. I d- wow. Uh, that was, yeah. Wow. That's okay. Because I was just going to say, no, I would never remake it. <laughs> well, like, yeah. I, 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 I think maybe in, in addition to this, this is a good time as we're wrapping up for me to introduce our ratings. So yeah. when we're in the morgue, and maybe that's what we'll call this segment. We're figuring it out. The morgue. <laughs> um, uh, but when we're in the morgue, capital I, we do have ratings for the movies that we dig up out of obscurity. So I'm going to go up from... No, I'm going to go down from best to worst, and we have five of these. So the highest is Immortal. Uh, This is our highest ranking. It means that the chosen film can't be killed, and we'll always have something intriguing or entertaining to mine. Uh, It's an instant recommendation from the person who gives it. We have Reanimated, which is the second highest. It indicates that the chosen film was underrated and deserves to be recirculated into general discourse. This ranking also constitutes an enthused recommendation from the person who gives it. Right in the middle, we have Embalmment, sort of a mid-road ranking, which indicates that a film might be a product of its time. 
uh, and it's lost some relevance that would make it worth repopularizing, but it could still be worth watching for a specific reason. Uh, top of the worst, we have Bury It. The film's time is completely passed, and it's better left dead. Only recommended to the curious, but has nothing of note left to say, or that hasn't been said better. And finally, we have Cremated. Oh, boy. Nothing of value intellectually or artistically, <laughs> and minimal to no entertainment value. Hard non-recommend from the person who gives it. So, what we can boy. do is, if you want to talk about remaking it, um, I guess it could coincide with one of these ratings, yeah. or it could be completely different. I mm-hmm. would, yeah, so like, well, what do y'all, what do y'all No, 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 go ahead. I, I mean, I wouldn't remake it, but it, wow! For this, hold up! But for the sake of the bit, is it like if you had to remake it? Yeah, choose so, so, your studio. So let's instead? say Warner Brothers comes to you and says, "Danny, we had we bought the the rights to Black Narcissus. Okay. We need you to remake." Who it. who directed the um, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Who's that French director? Uh, Selena Schiama. Is that her name? Celine Schiama. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's who I would choose. It should I'd be a probably woman, right? have Neon She's as the production probably. company. I mean, th- th- this yeah. it would it would need mm. a woman's touch in in the modern age, you know. Yeah, agreed. Who um, would you have starring it? Do you have an actress in mind? Uh, I'm, I don't even know. Uh, in the lead role, maybe Tilda Swinton as a get, sister. Uh, Starts at the sea. What's your name? Cloutus. Yeah. I get um I get one of the Fanning sisters in here. I think eh. if you remake it, like where have they been for? You know, Dakota was kind of on top of the world. And then you talking about Elle Fanning? And then Elle was I, on no. top of the world for a second. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, why? Uh, uh, not Danny, Zach. Zach, why doesn't Elle Fanning wear shoes to the airport? Does she? Does she do that? <laughs> she doesn't. Is this like an update show? She walks barefoot oh, okay. through the airport. We can that upset this. me. <laughs> we could cut profoundly. <laughs> no, I um. Uh, probably one of those people who thinks that shoes are like uh, what, what, what shoes are like government like tracking to me. <laughs> there's there's this like conspiracy what? that like shoes. It's it's like one of those wackier conspiracies. You. Yeah, I um. I'm gonna say if, well, actually, now that you've done the bit, what would you rank it? And bomb this fucking thing. <laughs> I mean, there are like it is still like visually pretty nice, and, and I like the way these old uh, you know Powell Pressburger movies look. But I mean, the brown face and uh, the, the weird tough. sexual stuff going, the weird mm-hmm. sexual commentary. Yeah, that is is not very sex positive. I mean, it, it's just it's definitely dated. Yeah, yeah, understood. Um, Zach. Yeah, I. Uh what, what am I doing? Am I am I doing the rating Both. or am I? Would you, how would you remake it and then rate it? If uh, if you would remake um, it, if you, you would, you can if say I no. would, I probably would not. Um, but I, I get. I mean, if I if I was going to just for the sake of the game, I guess you could probably throw. I mean, you know, you could throw in um, what's her name, Sahorsia Ronan. What's is that? Sahorsia. Sersha, I my didn't darling. say it at all correctly. If, yeah, she, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Sersha, come on um, the show. You know, I feel like I could just see her in this, and it's probably because I might have seen her in something similar in concept. I don't know. I could just see her doing. You're talking about like Mary uh, Queen of Scots. Yeah, something like that. Or, and I think she's in a new one with um. Yes. Oh my Ammonite. God. Winslet, right? Ammonite. Ammonite. Yeah, that. Right. Um. So that's probably where that's coming from. But I, I honestly don't think I'd remake it. But in terms of rating, I would also say embalm it because um, there are some definitely some cool things in here, but a lot of dated things, you know, but the thing is with this rating system, you could also go the route of like you can learn from its mistakes. Sure. right? So like so you can really spin it in but any that's way. Why but we I, pick it apart. Listen, I guess that's why I'm morbidly curious about this uh, miniseries remake that you guys were. It's a three parter if you want to just. What was it on? Thing. 
FX? FX. FX, yeah. Siri, who? No, Siri, I'm not. I didn't summon you. Yeah, it's an FX uh, three part. I I would like to see what they did with it. Um, Curious. Wes, how how would would you remake it? And uh, uh, I I probably wouldn't remake it. There was a gun to my head to remake it. I think I would have uh, Quentin Tarantino direct. No, uh, <laughs> I think, um, dude. In the last in the last act, the nun pulls out a, like a Beretta. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I I. I I think this is a tough one, and I think it's a relic. Like, I think even mm. the Nun stuff has been done better with Sound of Music, which came out 18 years later, which is, like, crazy to think about. Yeah. That Sound of Music, which has been around for 50 years, was, like, the new movie on the block compared to this one. Right. So I think the mm. Nun stuff has all been adopted better. The Technicolor stuff has done better in that movie. Uh, and I just think for, like, uh, exotic locations for these kinds of stories have gone out of style. But for the game that I've created... Um, I would also go with Saoirse Ronan. She's great. Um, you'd have to do some kind of spin on it. Like you'd have to do make it about the seventeen year old who shows up to the nunnery. Make it built around her. Bu- yeah, built around the prince. Yeah. Mm. No, Tilda works. Mm-hmm. Tilda works. But right? that isn't part of the the point of it. Is is Sister Clouda is like too young, or like she is younger to become a Sister Superior? Isn't that what? I she's think inexperienced. so. She's I think so. Yes, which is part of yeah. why, like the um, part of why the 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 Superior who who dispatches her is like telling her like who to get friendly with. Yeah, and she's like, I, I think you're gonna fail, but go for it anyway. <laughs> <See that. laughs> Have um, a good time. It's like what she says, and you would rate it. I would I would give it a I'm gonna go harsher than you guys I I, I would give it bury it, um, and this is the movie that I put it in the docket. Yeah, I, 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 that's what surprises me about this. I thought you liked this movie because it was your choice. <laughs> so, Maybe he thought he liked it too. I right. did think I liked this movie. I th- it's a very pretty movie. Um, I uh, one of my friends in film school, Danielle, watched the movie, rewatched the movie before I did, and was like, just so you know. There's an article about this, and there's a lot of imperialism in here. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, but I was I was actually floored by how much it, it's in here. And I think everything that's in here has been done better somewhere else. I think the only thing mm-hmm. here is is the is the the shooting style, which feels very modern. Yes. Um, but like yeah. otherwise, I'm like, we don't need it. We're good. We're good. Um, Justin, yeah, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. To to. To close out the quad here, I would. Um, I was watching it thinking of Paul Thomas Anderson. Wow. Okay. That's I, an inspired pick. And I feel like if he did this, it would be a lot more like character. You'd have a lot more clarity about different characters. And you'd also, I mean, obviously, like the shooting style would be there. Yeah, he, he it, would want to go on location. Yeah. And if you cast like Daniel Day Lewis as Dean, like. Because of course, not Chris. He's Pine. really showing up wow. drunk to. Yeah, <laughs> Danny and I have a. It'll it'll make its appearance on this show at some point. But we had a whole running joke about like Daniel Day Lewis playing like superhuman characters yeah. and what he would do to get into character. <laughs> Going full method. Yeah, like playing the Punisher and like actually becoming a mass murderer. That's a horrible idea. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say like PTA. I was also kind of maybe this is just because the farewell is fresh in my mind. Lulu Wang maybe. And Lulu Wang might eat that if you do it like. With just actual Asian people, um, and, and uh, oh, that's something I hadn't even considered. Yeah, I mean, and maybe dis- and maybe displace it from the Himalayas Asian to director. another Asian country. But I would say, um, 
I'm kind of between Embalm and Barry, but I'm going to go Embalm strictly because of how dope that last act is. Yeah. It's pretty good. And how the yeah. horror looks in that. Um, I think that's worth examining, if nothing else. It, the movie feels like completely different once it gets there. I was like surprised because I was like almost falling asleep like prior to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why did Wes make me watch movie? this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that 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 closes our thoughts on um, Black Narcissist. Uh, Danny, go ahead and uh, let them know what, what your pick is for next so week. So my pick for next week is the punk classic Repo Man by Alex Cox. It is a, uh, I guess as far as genre goes, um, approach this one as a punk stoner comedy. If, and, and I think you you won't be disappointed. Okay. Um, it's got it it's got elements with? of surrealism. What'd you say? What's it playing in rep with? What's the thing it's in rep with? I, th- oh, I think we're uh, watching the popular movie Godzilla will most likely be Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. And oh, perfect. <laughs> it's it's going to be hard to find a connecting to Yeah, but we'll also two. use that I as disagree. an opportunity. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> we'll use this as an opportunity to... Kong in there. Right, yeah. We'll use it as an opportunity to discuss other um, kaiju films. Um, but yeah, that is going to be a wrap on our series premiere, oh, yeah. guys. I'm that really... Was, wow. Really, really... <laughs> This this podcast thing is easy. Hey man, um, I'm really happy to be among such esteemed company. Um, we will be doing weekly episodes for our first month, and then potentially switching up the schedule afterwards. So keep in tune for next week. Check out the movies if you can. Rate and review the show wherever you get it. We'll be on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, all the places, <laughs> and uh, and uh, also follow our Instagram at the Media Morgue and Twitter at the Media Morgue. And we're going to be setting up a Facebook page too. Also, we have a Patreon, which we will be setting up tiers for, but if you just want to give us some money, because we're funny and handsome, uh, feel free to do so. Hey, sweet, fun, (laughs) silly boys. And let us know whose voice you like the most. Not that it matters, but... (laughs) But it does. Well, I haven't been talking in my sexy voice, so... Um, Listen, guys, keep watching movies. Unless you don't want to. Yeah. In that case, fuck movies. (laughs) (laughs) Movies are for everyone.